0: words appear the meet me series more words appear brought to you by whose blind life is it anyway hello everybody welcome to another great episode of meet my blind life here on whose blind life is it anyway the show where you get to hear people talking about their everyday lives with blindness i am your host victor guvea And remember, if you like what you're going to hear, hit that like button. And if you want to catch us live, you can do so on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or you can follow our page on Facebook or our feed on Twitter at BlindWhose. B-L-I-N-T-W-H-O-S-E. If you can't catch us live, you can also do so on podcasts. We are available on most podcast catchers whether you're on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or any of the other million podcast catchers. You can also catch us on Victor Line of Players and on Smart Speakers, Alexa, Google, you name it. Just ask it to play Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway and it'll go out and get all our episodes. Alternatively, if you want to subscribe to the Meet My Blind Life podcast alone, That's coming soon. I'm going to start up the new podcast coming any day now. I keep promising that, but uh, just life gets in the way. But uh, watch out for that, too. If you want to tell your story, talk about your everyday life, and show people that you can live with blindness on a daily basis, send me an email. Meet me on blindlife at gmail.com. Again, that's meet me on blindlife at gmail Last week, you heard the first part of Katrina Anderson's story, and I thought it was great. I mean, we had a great time talking about it, and um, this week is no different. She tells you more about her story, and uh, she goes on to talk about uh, other things in her life. Um, That have changed her direction for being. So have a listen to part two of Katrina Anderson's story. If you could give one piece of advice to someone in your position who's obstinate about going blind, Mm -hmm. what would it be?
1: I think that, you know, we fear the unknown. Um, and it's understandable that you fear the unknown. Um, but I'm here to tell you, well, okay, everybody is different. Some sure. of us adjust much better than others. Some never adjust. Um, some, because of different health issues, may not be able to function um, at a level that they wish they could. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to promise that it's always going to be good because it may not. Um, but keeping that in mind, that there may be different medical issues that limit um, attitude can also limit. But if, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, with the right attitude um, and lack of health issues that, um, lose, well, for me, becoming totally blind was not as scary and as awful as I thought it would be. And I, I managed to find my way through not caring what other people thought that limited me so much society's, um, ignorance limited me and caused so much fear so if there's any way that you can try not to put um, your feelings based on ignorance that can be helpful I don't know if that makes any sense but for me personally it was not what I thought total blindness would be sure it's no picnic I'm not trying to say that and if God said, hey, would you like even an hour with vision? Sure. You know, who's going to turn that down? But I'm not going to, I have never begged for it. Um, like I said earlier, I'm grateful that I had what I had. Um, you know, I feel in my mind, this is part of God's plan. And, uh, You know, I'm very, very, very adjusted. I just can't imagine there's another person in this world that is more adjusted to it than I am. And it took me a long journey to get to this point. Um, So as a teacher, I saw many, 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 many people that were resistant to using a cane. And they just weren't ready or they were resistant to any kind of training. Well, if you're not ready and your attitude is not there, I, why bother in my mind? You, you've got to be there. You've got to be ready and committed to it. Um, it, like when people, family and so forth force people to go for training, but they're not really there because they want to be. It, mm-hmm. You're probably not going to be successful. It's sure. kind of like, uh, an alcoholic or somebody that's uh, drug dependent or whatever and they're forced into rehabilitation you know if they're not there because they want to be there it may not be successful
0: I have to tell you your life in a way echoes my own in especially when I first started to go blind I lived my whole life being able to see um with coke bottle glasses ah uh-huh. so i was teased mercilessly when i was young mhm and on top of that i was overweight so that didn't help me in any way but i'm saying that contributed to the teasing as well But having said that, when I got to 32, I started getting the glaucoma headache.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And that was because until that point, I hadn't really treated my body very well. Ah. I always considered work as more important than health or... Luxuries or anything like that. Uh-huh. So, on April f- on April sixth, I married my wife, and on April seventh, I started going blind. Okay. And I mean completely blind. <clears throat> Excuse me.
1: Had had you been told that that was going to happen?
0: No. And I was a, until the age of 30, until I met my wife, I, like I said, healthcare was on the second burner. But when I met my wife, she forced me to start taking better care of myself. Uh Uh-huh. And I guess that's when everything started to break down. In a sense mm-hmm. Because my Bad uh, Ability to take care of myself Didn't really Catch up to me Until that point And then I started That's when I learned When I hit 32 And I started going blind That diabetes Wrecks your okay.
1: eyes I was just about to ask you if you were diabetic So were you a type 1?
0: Type 2 Type 2, okay Right, because <laughs> from the age of 21 I was borderline Okay And I was sitting on my laurels Okay, well borderline doesn't mean I am Um When I should have taken the opposite stance Which was borderline means I am <laughs> Uh-huh So eventually it did catch up to me i did start losing my sight the day after i married my wife so we were um on our honeymoon in niagara falls uh and don't worry it wasn't much of a honeymoon she was about 6 months pregnant ooh so there we weren't doing anything interesting or anything but um we eventually, I told her, look, this is too much pain. We have to come back to Toronto so I can go to my eye doctor. Cause I had a regular, uh, ophthalmologist that I visited every year. Oh. Uh, because I needed glasses. And, um, we eventually did come back. I was in the hospital for eight hours until they saw me in the ER. And then they realized, well, you're going to have to see the retina specialist in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I had to spend the night in the hospital Mm -hmm. so I could be the very first one to see the retina specialist in the morning. And my wife, who was grossly pregnant, (laughs) decided to stay there with me. And I, I, don't get me wrong, I was grateful for that, but then, oh. you know, I, I was worried. I mean, what, what if our baby, something happens with our baby or something like that? Uh-huh. Well, needless to say, I saw the specialist, and from that point until December, I went through a ton of surgeries, a ton of laser procedures, a ton of this, a ton of that. And I ended up losing my sight at the end of September two, two, 2002. Mm. But f- between that time, I was walking around like you. Putting services on hold because I wanted to see what my final vision was going to be. I was always thinking, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. I could have learned from that first day um, what I needed to continue on with my life. But as it is, by the time I started doing things, I got my first few lessons in Braille. I learned grade one. Mm -hmm. And my teacher, who was the only teacher in the organization I was at at the time... Mm-hmm. Ended up going down to Florida <laughs> to teach in Florida. And yeah. I thought, well, well, wait a second. Now I'm going to lose my teacher and I lost my, my, and sure enough, I lost my ability to read Braille. Ooh. But you know, your life is echoes mine in the sense that you were waiting for it to get better. Yeah yeah I was and you in have
1: some serious denial, that's for sure, yeah,
0: and I was i mean until I started going blind, I was doing everything on my own, I was driving, I was everything I was fully independent, mm-hmm. and I have to say, I miss driving the most, oh, I'm sure, so I have to ask you a question Please. what what do you do you wish
1: do you uh wished you had been born blind or uh, do you think it's a blessing that you had vision at one point?
0: I think it's a blessing for myself
1: because
0: yep. I know what things used to look like so I can put things in a sort of perspective mm-hmm. when I first encounter it. Yep. The problem got- was The problem with that being that things are changing so much right now Mm -hmm. that I might as well have been blind from birth because phones are no longer what they used to be. Okay. Uh, Computers are no longer what they used to be. I used to build computers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not anymore. (laughs) Really?
1: At at Bosma, uh, we had an assistive technology department where you learn to use a computer and so forth. And, uh, I don't know if they still do it because I retired in 2020, but they used to teach the clients how to build computers. Really? Yes. And then they got to keep it. Wow. Uh huh.
0: But go ahead. That's amazing. No, no, yeah. no. I I I appreciate what you're saying because a lot of places don't teach blind people how to build computers. They just teach them how to use them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So And I find that very unfortunate because a lot of people use computers and then when they have to buy a new one, they just go for the cheapest model thinking it'll do what they want and they don't uh-huh. bother to look at the specs. Mhm. You know, and then the computer dies out in a year and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's the computer's fault. It's all crappy and stuff. No, it's your fault because you didn't look at what's there. Mm Mm-hmm. And money does really buy what you get. I mean, if you spend enough money, you'll get a really good computer.
1: Mm Uh-huh. Well, I think, I mean, I can understand what you're saying about things have changed as far as, uh, you know, what it was when you could see. But I guess I'm, I think it's important to focus on, you got to see the Niagara Falls. I got to see it in pictures or if on TV, because I had to be very close. I was very, very nearsighted. Yes. But I never got to see Niagara Falls with my natural eye without, you know, some kind of uh, aid like magnification or, you know, TV or pictures or whatever. Sure. Uh You got to see your wife. I mean, there are things that did you get to see your baby? I did. Yeah. So there I are did. some wonderful, wonderful parts about your having vision. And yes.
0: Did yes, you and, know? and you, I it. think my next story is going to make you cry a little bit. Oh, okay. I was going blind, and this was about in July. We brought my daughter home because she was born prema- two months premature, so she had to stay in the incubator for a couple of months. Sure. And we just brought her home and I was putting her to sleep. She was in my arms. And at this point, everything was blurry. I mean, my daughter was just a lump of white. Well, not white, but skin color. Yeah. And I, I noticed that there was brightness coming from the windows. So I wanted to shut the curtains. And when I went to the curtains, for just an instant, my vision cleared up. Mm. And I was able to see my daughter's face. Mm. And she was sleeping with a smile on her mouth. Aww. And I don't know if it was God that gave me that vision. Oh yeah, absolutely. What. But I thank God that I was able to see that because that is, that is the best picture to go out on.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, if we did not know what we were missing, maybe it would be okay to say, you know, I wish I'd never saw anything, but we know. And so yeah, it's, to me it's a huge, it's important. actually,
0: it's actually a little harder when we know what we're missing. I this was, is true. yeah, because I went blind right when the first Spider-Man movie came out.
1: Ah. Uh-huh.
0: And you have to understand I was an avid comic book collector. Oh, okay. So watching a Spider-Man movie in real life, Was major for me. Because up until that point... All the Spider-Man movies that I'd watched... Were hokey. Mm -hmm. And so fake. And from what I hear... That particular Spider-Man movie was... Genius. It was... um, The beginning of CGI. It was the beginning of... Actual blending of animation with real life
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know i knew that was something i wanted to see and sure enough i couldn't see it
1: yeah yeah I, I see that side of it too um do you know do you like audio description or does is it not a good enough substitute for you no no
0: well it is a good enough substitute. For for what I have in terms of sight, mm-hmm. I have no sight whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So having audio description is better than not.
1: Nothing. Yeah, I get you, but you—you know—you would rather, of course, be able to see it. But yeah, I love I audio would, description. Yes.
0: I would be able to. I would prefer to see it rather than listen to it. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm willing to take what I can get. Sure. But I have to ask you, with you being so busy, did you have time for a social life? Uh, uh,
1: not really, but I am a very, um, very introverted um, person. When I was younger, um, I was definitely more social. When I was working it actually sucked a lot of energy um being introverted doing the job that i did um was difficult because i had to be social i had to you know do the small talk and i had yes. to be uh you know i was a, a role model so i had to be positive all the time you know uh, mm-hmm. being blind it's it's a great thing you know even if i didn't feel that way and so uh, at the end of the day, like I say, my energy had been sucked. so I did not. The last thing I wanted was any kind of socialization. I just needed my space. Um, so when I started working that yeah, my socialization got less and less. Not to say that I don't enjoy occasional, outings and you know friends and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. it definitely is not the uh not that important to me as it used to be
0: so the really important question is how did you meet your husband
1: so he actually um when i got my job in dayton ohio um he was a, a client there. He had just lost his vision. I think it was a year or so prior to our meeting as a result of diabetes. Uh-huh. Uh, and so he was there, uh, in the, um, uh, business skills department learning to type and <coughs> use a computer. And this was, in the late eighties. So, you know, uh, there was speech censuses, but believe me, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it was yeah, pretty no, raw back
0: then. I know, yes.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so we, um, you know, in the halls at breaks, uh, went, like we'd ride the city bus or, uh, if there was something going on, uh, the vans were transporting. So we encountered each other that way and um one time he invited me to a cookout and because he said since i you know was new to town and didn't have a lot of friends and blah 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 so that got it started um so as i said he had just lost his vision it was really awful um he was a type one diabetic, So he had dealt with the insulin and all that stuff all these years. But, um, one day he was at a doctor for something totally not related to vision. Uh, and he had not been having any issues with his vision. And when he, uh, the, this particular doctor, uh, after some tests and so forth, he said, well, I need to inform you that you are going to go into kidney failure and you're going to end up blind, blah, blah, blah. And of course that stunned him big time. Um, and uh, it happened pretty quickly. And um, his family, uh, they tried lots of things. They went to different States and tried different treatments, but it, diabetes is an awful awful thing uh, yeah. it finally won out um, when I met him though it was in the spring or maybe early summer um, by Thanksgiving he was in kidney failure um, and started on dialysis um, he had Uh, don't. I don't remember how this thought got in his mind. I don't know if it was me or a doctor or what, but he decided that he would like to get a pancreas transplant. So when the topic of a kidney transplant came up, I had read that at that time, uh, back in the 80s, that if you were going to get a kidney and a pancreas, That it was best to get them from the same donor. And at that time anyway, I I don't see how they could do it now because you need your pancreas. But at that time, um, uh, you know, um, you could only get a pancreas from a, um, cadaver donor. Right. So, um, so when he committed to that he was going to do that, he got put on the list for a kidney pancreas transplant um i had read about a group i think it was a division of the national federation of the blind their diabetic group and um, there was a man that i reached out to that was in this group and uh, he was very helpful in talking with us and he actually put us in contact with a surgeon in Cincinnati and so, um, Roy ended up going to him and, uh, he got his, um, pancreas kidney transplant, um, from there in, I believe it was 1990. We mm-hmm. married in 1989. Um, the, uh, the, after the surgery, uh, the kidney did fine right off the bat, but there was an issue with the pancreas, a very scary story, very, uh, yeah, but by the grace of God, he made it through all of that. But during the surgery, his left arm, which was his dominant, was paralyzed because what they, you know, when in surgery, they stretch your arms out like uh, Jesus on the cross, you know, straight yeah. out. Yeah. And he was in surgery, I believe it was something like 14, 15 hours. And because of that, and because they did not pad the arms well enough for a diabetic who had neuropathy issues, uh, he uh, his left arm became paralyzed. Well, he had at that point decided that he wanted to be a computer programmer. So now, not only had he gone blind which changed his, you know, vocational plans and so forth. Uh, now it looked like he wasn't going to be able to be a computer programmer. So that made depression big time. Yeah. Um, it took about a year, but he finally got past that. Um, the the uh, nerve, I guess you'd say, regenerated. I'm not sure that he got 100% functionality back, but it was good enough. He could type. And sure. so turns out then, uh, we, he, I applied to Bosma and, and was offered the job and he applied for a, a training program here in Indianapolis that was, uh, teaching blind people how to be a computer programmer. He got accepted into that. So we moved back here in 92. He, uh, graduated from that program, had a hard time getting a job, really hard time. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, he volunteered at different places. Um, and that actually was very, very helpful, uh, and directly, um, led to his getting hired. So I encourage people to volunteer when possible. Uh, because you, I mean, sadly, it's a fact we have to prove to the employer what we're capable of. And so in Roy's case, he gave his skills away for free for a good while. Um, but finally that em- one last employer where he volunteered hired him and he had a, a great, uh, employment with them. Um, so yeah uh unfortunately very sadly like i said uh we did divorce but um yeah he's a great guy unfortunately diabetes uh won out in the end and he did pass away so uh that's very very sad yeah but he i i was so thankful that he had a good 10 years without being diabetic he didn't have to take the insulin and could eat whatever he wanted so, right, right. that definitely was a blessing.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there any part of your life that you look back on and think I could have done? Well, okay. I guess the question is any regret
1: at all? <laughs> yes, but, uh, yeah, um, I made decisions um and judgments especially as a, I'd say a teenager uh that I regret. Um I will will definitely not go into all of them, but one of them I will admit to is um during that angry period in the second semester of 8th grade, um I had one of the girls uh got me started smoking. And I'm sort of kidding about this, but, uh, I do, I, I hold a grudge against that girl cause, um, I smoked. You haven't smoked. been
0: able to sm- start or stop, I mean,
1: well, I did, but, um, I smoked off and on as a teenager. Uh, I, when I was running track, I was able to stop because boy, that was killing me. But, uh-huh. um, when, track season was over you know i smoked then in college i smoked when i met roy he didn't like it so i would smoke at work or whatever but then i'd get home and hi honey and run and get in the shower and you know i was leading him to believe i wasn't smoking but i was in the shower I, i i i'm sorry i would run home from work or wherever i was and smoke on me but I would get oh, in the shower to wash it off. It.
0: you were hiding and, it. Gotcha. Yeah. I got you, yeah, yes,
1: so, and he was so sick at the time he was in bed, so you know it was easy to hide it from him, um, but then God got me back, and my um my eyes uh got to a point to where the smoke was very, oh, it hurt so bad, my eyes were very, very, very dry. I had to take artificial tears. So I was kind of forced to stop smoking. Um, so I didn't smoke for a good 10 years, I would say. And then when he decided to do the divorce, uh, I picked a cigarette and well, I bought some cigarettes and some alcohol and that was the end of that. And so uh, it went on for a couple decades. Um, I did actually, I, I don't smoke anymore. And the last time I smoked was in November of 2020. Um, <clears throat> so I'm thankful for that. But, you know, if it hadn't have been for that girl and my decision during my ignorant period, uh, when I was a teenager. So yeah, I regret that. Um, and of course I have other regrets,
0: but... right. I mean, I have to say that I am, I mean, it took a long time for me to stop smoking. I've been, I had been smoking since I was 14 and I also tried to hide it from my wife. Um, and it took a while
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it took a number of tries. And I did have to get medical, medical help. Okay. Um, uh, it's a bill called Champix.
1: Okay, Chantex, yes, that's what I ended up with me.
0: Yes, and that's what worked in the end. Both times, actually. Um, I ended up quitting both times with Champix. And I have to say, I, it's been about a decade now. You know And I'm thinking Do I Do I miss it Yes and no I miss Being able to Get away with Get away from any situation By going outside to have a cigarette Because we weren't allowed to smoke in the house Or Mm -hmm. I wasn't either (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if there was an overbearing situation or something like that, I would just grab a smoke and go outside and have a smoke and I would, you know, calm down or, or relax and come back in and I could deal with things. I understand. Uh, and, you know, that became very hard when I couldn't do that anymore. Uh huh. I had to face my issues. I had to face whatever was going on right then and there. And that helped me a lot. Yeah. Mind you, I'm in serious therapy now, but <laughs> <laughs> But uh, suffice it to say I it, it is it is one of the better decisions I made. Um mm-hmm. but having said that I told my wife uh because we had a bit of a scare uh about a week ago, um we uh, my wife had to do a polyp removal and she had to biopsy mm-hmm. it. Um and we you know, for a while there we thought she was cancer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um it turned out that she wasn't, but you know i told her you know i think if you died i would start smoking again mm-hmm. yeah i pray that god
1: gives me the strength if because you know right now things are good but i feel the same way i i hope not um i want to tell you that uh when it was several years back uh while i was working that I became, I had a very bad case of laryngitis Mm -hmm. and I couldn't work for weeks. I mean, it was at least six weeks. Well, that scared me to death because I thought, oh gosh, it's throat cancer or whatever. Um. So I talked to a doctor and I got on the Chantex then. And it ended up, I, I just thought it was incredible that I actually wasn't feeling the urge. But the problem was, um, and I could go into more about that, but I had serious depression uh, and have been on um, antidepressant since um, the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so I started having some cognitive issues when I was on the Chantex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like cause when my medical leave was over and I could go back to work after, thank God, the laryngitis got better and we learned it wasn't cancer and all that but I could not go back to work because I couldn't focus my, like I said, I just wasn't thinking straight and the doctor said he was pretty sure it was because my antidepressant was conflicting with the Chantex so I had to stop it so my goal was, okay, I know it can work. So my goal is when I retire and I can get away from the stress of the job and mm-hmm. I can stop the antidepressant and see, you know, will I be okay? And uh, then I'll get on the Pantex. Well, so that's what I did. I uh, retired in August of 2020, uh, stopped the antidepressant, I waited a month or so to make sure, you know, things were going to be okay and I was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went ahead and got on the Chantex and uh, it was by November, early November, I had my last cigarette. And so then I went about a year or so and because when I retired, I, I, I retired early. Um, So in the United States and everything the way it is, you know, I just didn't have insurance. So I was trying like, okay, let me stay off these drugs, you know, save me some money. And so I tried to stay off the antidepressant. But then a year later, I had an emotional crisis happen and got back on it. And it wasn't a week later and things were much better. So,
0: yeah, anyway, I, you know, ironic as that is and i say ironic because w- well butrin which is a drug for antidepressant is one of the drugs used to quit smoking
1: is it really huh yes
0: except that it's going by by the name zyban
1: mm. i had not heard of that
0: yeah it, it's uh that was uh, that was the first drug i tried and it was mm. successful. I was able to quit with with uh, wellbutrin slash Zyban the very mm. first time I tried. Mm. Um, cool. But it didn't stick. Mm. And you know, at that point, I had to. Well, my wife said, "Either you stop smoking or you're out." Yeah. I didn't believe her, but. You know, I still, I still took it seriously. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm glad to say that she got me to quit and I'm happy about that. Um, Mm -hmm. my wife has been a godsend to my life. And, uh, honestly, I don't think I'd be alive today if she hadn't been in my life while I was going blind. Oh. Because it was that hard for me to get over the depression. Mm.
1: Well, I understand that. And, you know, like I say, some people, you know, we all deal with things differently. Uh I was able to finally get over it. And I should make it clear. Sure, part of my depression would have been uh having something to do with my vision loss. I'm certain of that. But mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just that. I had a lot of other stuff going on as well. So, but yeah, some people are able to adjust to blindness better than others. Um I was going to share my husband uh you know, he had had full vision and drove and all that other stuff. And I even, you know, I never had the privilege to be able to drive. I never yes. I mean not legally anyway. Um yeah. so but I can't really identify with how horrible it must be, you know, cause I never got that, but I saw what happened with him. And I remember, um, one day there were people laughing and getting in their cars outside of our apartment. And, you know, it, it just, he got so upset and he said, they're living my life because yeah. he couldn't just get, get his keys and go out to, you know, run around town. And yes. so I know that must be awful. Um, so yeah. yeah I, and,
0: and, and to me, what helped me was tr- figuring out why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Uh, it wasn't the driving that I missed, although that was fun mm-hmm. because I was able to go anywhere. I knew where I was going. My, my sense of direction was amazing uh-huh. when I was driving. But, it was more a loss of the independence that I Correct. missed. Correct. Yeah. But the see, fact... I
1: never got that, so I can't completely say I understand. I can't well, sure empathize can. with that loss, but I do sympathize because I, I, I feel like it has to be awful because I never had that. I never was able to. I mean, I could get on the bus, but I never could. Everything had to be planned out. I never had that independence.
0: Actually, you're you're underestimating yourself because you had that independence at the beginning of your life.
1: I never, never had that because I lost blind at age thirteen, so I never. Age thirteen
0: was still enough time for you to enjoy being a kid. This is true.
1: Yeah, I'm just talking about the independence and freedom of- No, no, I learning. get
0: the, I get the independence part. Yes, you're right. The whole driving thing is not something uh, you would have enjoyed. But that sense of independence, you did feel that. Yeah. And I think you dealt with it a lot better than I did. And I have to say, that makes you a better woman in my view. Oh, well,
1: you know, I just somehow or another, it finally clicked. I'm very fortunate that it clicked with me. Um, yeah. But I totally respect we're all different. One thing I did learn and observe over the years is before a person has vision loss, whatever their attitude is or, or their perspective is about blindness, can directly relate to their attitude after it happens so for example let's say that you're driving and you see a blind person walking with a cane Mm -hmm. what when you were sighted what would that person's thoughts be oh that poor blind person you know i would rather be dead than have to be blind or maybe that person would have thought, isn't that great? You know, you a person can still get out and go and live their life even though they have lost their vision. So from my observation, a lot of people that think negatively prior to vision loss We'll probably not have good success adjusting, but yeah. if they had more of a positive perspective prior to it, then maybe they would have better success with adjustment. I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: it does. It does. And that, that's a great place to end things because we've been talking for almost two hours on this uh-huh. interview. Uh, and I have to say, it's one of the more pleasant interviews I've ever done. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> Listening to your story was amazing. And I want to thank you for being on this show. I want to thank you for gracing me with your presence. I hate to put it that way, but yeah, your presence. Okay. And letting me in on your story because it was amazing. Oh, well, thank you. And that was Katrina Anderson's life. I felt a kinship for Katrina because her life uh, resembles mine in a way. When I went blind, I denied it. Well, I, I put it on hold, put all my training and stuff on hold to see what my final vision was like. And that was a big mistake. I oh, hope others don't make the same mistake. Hope you enjoyed the interview and, uh, make sure you tune in next week for another episode of Meet My Blind Life. Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Bye bye everybody. Catch Meet Me every Monday at 10am Eastern, 7am Pacific on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Till next week.